Broadcasting live, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill. Good morning. Are we on, Paul? There we are. Good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of the leaf. I am your host, Honest Abe, broadcasting from Boynton Beach, Florida, with my trusty cohorts, the Italian scallion himself, Paul DeGracco. And yo, 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 yo. South Paul from South Philly, Alex Tavella. What's happening? 400th episode. Who would have ever, ever thought? It is pretty big number. You know, it's it's nuts because you know, you know, you figure four hundred breaks down to, you know, honestly, with fifty-two weeks a year, about eight years, but we're like at ten years with a lot of breaks and lost weeks and stuff like that. But man, what a road to four hundred! And you know, normally we we would have been somewhere, we would have been some cigar shop doing a big celebration like we did for three hundred, but right. With COVID going on and everything, we'll just have to do it. Hopefully, in twenty twenty one, we'll have a four hundred party makeup episode somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I want a cake. It's, damn it. it's interesting. I saw. I don't know if is Coop coming later. Is he coming on? Hopefully, yes. he he posted an interesting stat. We're we're in like a company of like four. There's like four people that have made it to an episode four hundred of a cigar type podcast. I mean, we're in a late company. Longevity wise, we got to be second or third as far as time, but episode wise, I think eventually we'll get slaughtered because Coop's got to be on the road to four thousand. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, seriously, Coop's got to be on the road to four. I mean, we do one a week, right? You know, I mean, well, there's Coop, probably Coop and then the rest of the pack. You know, right, right. So, I, what do you guys? What do you guys got anything planned for Thanksgiving? We got a bunch of lockdowns everywhere, and it's crazy. We are we are going to drive to South Carolina and go to my father in law's house because there's only like seven of us going, so we're gonna we're gonna chance it and, and go. There's only there. seven of us going to Thanksgiving. You mean? Yeah, yeah. There'll be seven people at Thanksgiving. I know they're saying keep it to ten or under, so we'll be we'll be under ten. But you're traveling interstate, doing exactly what they're saying not to do. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, what, what are you going to do, man? You got at this point, you got to live your life. I, I just. I spent three months up in New York quarantining away from the rest of the world. And uh, finally back here in South Florida, none of the family's around to help us out. My parents were here for a few weeks. They just flew back, actually. So they're breaking the rules, too. But they're in New York's weird because you got to take a COVID test before you leave. Three days before you fly. Then when you land there, four days after you land, you have to take another COVID test. So you don't have to quarantine for 14 days. It's getting a little Gestapo-y over there. That's that's all I'll say. <laughs> Gestapo-y. I mean, even for me. I love the I, I love the governor of California who got caught at French Laundry. At French Laundry, how great is that? I, I, Alex was the one that told me that, and then I looked it up. Yeah. Oh, he publicly apologized. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he had to. At least he got a good meal. I mean, if you're going to go out, you might as well. <laughs> you might as well go. Hey, don't get caught at like In and Out. Right. 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 Mask on. 
if you're gonna if you're gonna break your own rules, at least right, you know, you might at least break long, big. Right. He didn't. He didn't get caught in an out burger. Right. Right. But that was funny. We got a great show today, man. One of my oldest, literally oldest and dearest friends in the industry, Jonathan Drew, will be on today. People uh, talk about what's going on with JD and uh, some cool stuff they got coming up. And uh, we got a great prize pack, which Jonathan will show you when he comes on. Um, if not, he's got, got it. it. He's got it with him. He was showing us before. Yeah. Good. Uh, it's actually. It actually looks. Listen, not to disparage any of the the pictures that that have been taken of it and shown. It looks way nicer when you'll yes. see when he holds yes, it up. Enough. Yeah, yes, but enough. Alex and I were both like, "Oh, holy shit, that's yeah. like good stuff." So you'll see, it's 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 really nice stuff. So what we're gonna do today is thanks to JD and the fine folks at Drew Estate, we're gonna give away three of these packages during the show today. If you're watching, so awesome. what we got, what we got throughout this show at three times. We're going to ask some KMA trivia questions, see who are really the hardcore fans. Now, I'm going to let Paul be the judge because I know comments show up like in weird order, but it's it's how Paul sees it. So um, the first person that will get it right will uh, get the package, and uh, we'll do that three times throughout the show. So I'll give you guys and uh, loyal listeners and fans an opportunity to win some very awesome swag from JD and the fine folks over at Drew Estate. Nice, nice. Yeah. I was just Very checking cool my questions because I was like, "Oh shit, do I have all the answers?" I, I got the questions. I'll ask them. I got. I got them. I got. Before, them. before we move on, I need to take a moment. I need to okay. take a moment. I promised I would. I mentioned these guys last week. The baseball team. I the need Mustangs. to the Mustangs. I need to congratulate the Diamond Dream Mustangs, who last week won the South Florida Fall Classic, fifty-five and over division. And wow. currently, currently, right now, those guys are currently playing again over at 15, 15 Park for the championship of the 50 and over league. So these guys might go, you know, 2-0 and this year for championships, and I'll wind up hanging another picture at the wall in Smoking West Palm. So, wow. Uh, Mustangs, let's win another one. Here's to the Mustang. I, I tell you what, those guys are, are really a hell of a group of guys, too, man. They really are. Living life. Good for them. Living life. Great guys. I mean, they come to the shop on a Friday night, which is like hip-hop night. And again, this is like 55 and older crew. And they have the best of time. They don't care. We don't care. They're partying. Just a great group of guys. And drink like a fish. And drink like a fish. And then go play baseball the next day. <laughs> I can barely I can barely drink and, and get up the next day these days. Right. Yeah, Let alone go play like a real baseball game. I I couldn't do it, but good for I got to meet these guys, man. I got to get down there to West Palm. That's that used to be my home base when I lived over there. That store when I first before I even met Abe, I I used to go to that store before you re renovated it and moved to the new space. That was that was my hangout spot. But I want to interrupt for a second, and this is a little weird because Abe doesn't know that we're doing this. But in honor of our 400th episode, I know that we're not actually like you know, somewhere and we don't have a, a cake to celebrate with. We're not all together right now, but we put together, the team and I put together a, a little um, kind of like slideshow video oh. that we want to show right now. So with your permission, Abe, I'm going to show Yeah, man. Video. Yeah. Shoot away. Right. Here it comes. Here's the 400, everybody.
I, I, was hoping, I was hoping. <laughs> yeah. Well done, Brian. Thank you. Jeez. Wow, man. That brought up a lot of memories, man. Wow. Abe is actually really a little glassy eyed. I am. I got a little glassy eyed, man. I'm telling you. Holy cow. You don't. I mean, first off, I mean, Jesus. <laughs> you can see me fat, thinner, fat, thinner, <laughs> fat, thinner, fat, thinner throughout the whole video. Um,. But man, forgot about all the things, man. The time's gone by so fast. And um, uh, just all the cool things we've done, the cool people we've talked to, the, the, the awesome people that we've had the opportunity of, of, of working with even. And um, I tell you, once this crap is over, we are going to throw a big-ass 400th party. And uh, we're going to try to get everybody around. And uh, we will celebrate this proper. But... Thank you guys. I didn't even know. I didn't even know you guys did that. So that was uh, that was pretty I, badass. I spent more time finding the music. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to to find the music that you know invoked that emotion. So for for me, it's been a it's been an honor to be a part of this thing. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a really really fun experience. The people that we've met, the the fans are are unlike any other place. And I, you know, you know, I've been, I've done off Broadway shows. I've done stand up, I've done radio and other markets. This is, this is something unlike I've ever been a part of before. So it means a lot to me. And, and uh, thank you to Abe and Alex for being on the journey with me as well. Well, Paul, as much as I bust your balls, as long as I'm, <laughs> in, as long as I'm in this mood, I got to say, man, um, me finally talking you into taking this job. <laughs> Which you did. You had to. <laughs> I literally had to. Paul just would not make a decision. Um, I think it's been the best thing for the show, man. 
I mean, I really do. You've been a great addition. You've been the yin to my yang uh, since you came on the show. And um, I, it's just, it, you know what's the best thing about that video, man? Just look at how much fun everybody was having. I mean, it was just, um, everybody's having a really good time. And that's always what we've been about. Having a good time, trying to reenact what goes on in cigar lounges and having fun Saturday mornings. And uh, I think we did a good job of doing that for 10 years. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, with yeah. that said, on our big 400th episode, we have a, uh, a guest worthy yeah. of, such, Absolutely. Absolutely. of such a big episode. And it's Abe, is it his second time on the show that I've seen? I believe it's his second time. It may be his third time, but literally, I think John was one of the first five people. I mean, like, literally, you know, because when we started, you know, I had to go to my friends, you know, so. Yeah. Um, you well, know, John, here's the thing from what I've come to learn about John is he'll know. He'll remember what show he was on. Well, we'll ask him. Let he me do his little intro here. Stuff. Let me do his little intro here. From a beat up office in Dumbo to one of the most influential cigar companies in the entire world. Jonathan Drew and Marvin Samuel literally took the cigar industry by storm and here with us today on KMA Talk Radio, Jonathan Drew, ladies and gentlemen. There he is. Yo, what's up, everybody? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. John, do you remember what episode you were originally on? Um, shit, I heard the big intro that I remember everything and now I feel a little <laughs> <laughs> I know that we. I know that that it was. It was definitely within the first five. So my memory, if I had to take a guess, I would say that we were. We were like the second or third. Me and Mark, I'm going together. I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, yeah we'll we'll find out. Yeah, so, but you know, it was even. It was even the look. Kiss my ash is uh, is is more than a show. There's a lot of shows that that have come on. You know, a week. To, uh, they do it once. They do it two times. Five times. Kiss My Ash has become an institution in the uh, in the programming of of good cigar programming and of quality. It's fun and it's funny. So you know whether it's four hundred or whether when you get to five hundred, seven hundred, God willing, you shall out. It's, it's going to go on all all, all through. Um, the quality of each step of the way has been beautiful, and you've really enlightened so many people about the world of cigars and the various brands that you guys you know fuck with. So. Yeah, it's a blessing, man. Congratulations to to your team and to to the institution. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you, JD, man. It's been a hell of a ride. And I tell you what, man, we started out doing this just for fun, and uh, never thought it would last this long. But hell, it didn't. I got to tell you, man, the, what makes our show is our fans. We got awesome fans. We got hardcore KMA Nation. You know, the KMA crew, as we like to call them, and uh, they they've. They keep us inspired because they enjoy the show. If no one was enjoying what we were doing, we, we would be be burnt out and done with it already. But uh, they keep us inspired. So it's been awesome. And it's awesome to have you, one of my oldest and dearest friends, on our 400th episode. So that worked out perfectly. I couldn't have asked for better. Yeah, no, what you said, Abe, is, is so true. The, the energy... You know, it's it's an ecosystem, you know, that energy from, from all the fans of KMA, everybody looking forward to it on a weekly basis, and people saying, hey, listen, yeah, honey, I'll do that, but after, kiss my ass, after, you know, and, and people feeding you that energy. I'd always said, you know, back in the day when you had, you know, the lumberjack with the, the red and the black to match, it was uh, uh, when you had one store, 
you know, I would say, Abe, hit him with the power blast. Yeah. And I was just explaining that the other day to a friend. I was like, this dude has so much power within him that, you know, uh, provided he's channeling that power in a positive manner, you know, his ability to broadcast, and I don't mean just from, from broadcasting a, a cigar program, but broadcasting that energy um, to make a difference. And, you know, and that's what you've always done. Even when people took shots at you or when uh, different, you know, issues that have come up, I've watched you go through battles. I've watched you go through wars. And, uh, you know, no matter what they were, you always kept it positive and kept that energy, you know, uh, contagious. So, so God bless, dude. And, and uh, your fans are real. It's, it's the real deal. They love it. Thank you, brother. I mean, episode three. You were episode three. So your homeboy was right. Talk radio, episode three. Oh, so you said two or three. He was in there. Yep, episode Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but I was listening. Go ahead. No, I was saying I was listening when when Abe was concocting the shit. I was living in, I think I might have still been living in your house around that time, Abe. Or maybe it was just after. I don't know. What year? What? When did it start? What was the first? Uh, it's got to be 2011 ish, 2012. Oh, so that was way later. I, I think. <laughs> I think this. I think this June is is about. It'll be ten years. I think. Well, just to give you some perspective, I was living in your house for that six month period when I got sideways when I needed my my psychological rehab, probably around 2002. So that's that's when I dipped out of Nicaragua for a minute and and whenever I was in in the U.S. over there. So that was many many years later. The, the best part of that story is you were living in our house after he had just gotten like a really really nice condo <laughs> ten minutes from our house. I never Literally. unpacked the shit. Did you did you ever listen? John got a really nice place downtown West Palm Beach, high rise, great view. Did you? Even spend a night there after you got it? No, I had brought. I had. I had Marielos and I had just, just split up, and I was going through a really tough time psychologically, and my heart was hurting and, and everything. And and uh, I'm a person who's a loner, you know, always been able to to be alone. And and but at the, at that moment, you know, uh, I needed that power, that 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 camaraderie, fellowship, and and you, Brandy, just you know, I literally brought my stuff in. It was all wrapped in plastic and shit. It was all protected. I never even unpacked it. And when I left, it was still in the same plastic. It was in the same, you know, so I didn't live in your house with a straight year. It wasn't a straight year. It was whenever I'd come in from Nicaragua, Yeah, I would, I would come straight to your house. So I never slept one night in West Palm at my condo. I always stayed at your house in my room and, uh, Got my haircuts and got my breakfast and got my little speeches and my, my pep talks. So, you know, your your energy, your influence, um, you know, has gone to touch so many people. And on just on a very personal level, you know, uh, that's that that's that gift that God has given you. That's that power that you have. And, you know, you uplifted me through a time that was an ev- it was a it was a uncertain time for me. It was a destructive moment. So, you know, I think that through the show, you're able to to really, you know, you're able to deliver that sermon, man. It's it's, it's called um, you you what's called anointed. 
you you're an anointed individual and um when you're anointed nothing can take that away from you unless you take it from yourself and that's that self-awareness and that self that ability which comes from your from your parents and from their parents and from the legacy of your foundation that goes all the way back you know hundreds of years thousands of years and uh you hold you know you you a true don you you hold it down you're a good king abe and uh, I'm a person who I may not be where I am right now if I didn't have that time with you to keep me grounded and keep me straight. So I was sideways. Well, listen, I think that's why early on we bonded um, because you were that for me. You know what I mean, you were you you had a vision. You know, look, I, I talk about something called depth of vision, right? Everybody has a depth of vision in life. It's kind of like how far can you see down the road? You know, guys like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, they have an immense depth of vision. They're looking at centuries down the road. Not everybody has the same depth of vision. And when we met, your depth of vision was way deeper than mine. Because I, I remember when I was doing, like, our first annual poker tournament. And I was up all night. I was in the kitchen. And I'm writing all these forms and the seat selections and figuring out how we're going to do everything. And you're looking at me like, you're doing all this? You know? He's like, this is, this is like... This is like un unreal. And you were watching me work through the night. And, um, you know, I've always said it before, you know, our our reach now is globally. And and, and Smokin's reach and KMA Smokin's, the whole conglomerate is, is a global reach. And I, we would have never even went down that road if it wasn't the time we spent together. Because you were the influencer saying, you need to make an online presence. And I was like, nah, I don't know how to do that. I, I don't even know how to relate because everything we've ever done has always been experience driven, you know, people to people contact and whatnot. And, um, you know, John, John inspired that. He's the guy that actually talked me into starting and helping me start our e-commerce site and getting it out there and uh, really uh, made that happen. And we wouldn't be here today probably with KMA or, or half the audience or fans and, and friends that we've made over the decades. So, there he is. But I was just giving the prop, John, if you can hear me, about how basically you you pushed us to make a global audience and get out there and start the e-commerce and helped us get started out and, you know, uh, get out there in the world. And that was your inspiration. I, I, had, I never even saw that far down the road. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty profound statement from both of you, honestly. Well, we, we both grew together. You know, we were both young companies when we met, literally. I mean, they had just started. We were in early years. And, and, and you know, I think that's that's what makes a lot of the close friendships that we have, guys like me, John, Eric, you know, guys where we met and we were just starting in our stages, not, you know, not having a clue of where you're going to end up, you know. Um, when you when you met John, where where was he as far as the, the company was concerned? I think it was the first or second year. Really? Yeah, it was really, really early on. I remember I remember hearing about this brand acid, right? I remember going to the trade show. And no bullshit, John was the guy who came up to me and, and walked me through the line like a sales rep. You know, really? this is this, this is this, you should carry this. And I, I John took our first order. We we didn't even know each other. And the bond kind of really solidified after that, you know, um, 
literally like I, I don't know the whole story, but you know, Jewish State was very famous for throwing epic after parties. You know, nightly parties. Right, I, I always I, I hear about these after parties a lot. Epic, always yeah. over the top, and, and you know, this was in their broke stages, man. I mean, I mean, right. not like broke, but I mean, there was no extra money lying around, and they had taken over this whole nightclub and whatever. So we were gonna go. And my wife and I, you know, we hop out of a cab, and there's JD with a, a, a altercation, some big, <laughs> some big altercation with a guy, and they're in each other's face. I just slowly walk up and just start standing behind John. Just you know, I, I have no idea what the story is. Till this day, I couldn't even tell you what they were fighting about. I think something somebody got out of line. They're trying to ask him to leave, and. Um, The tone of the conversation changed a little bit when I stood behind John. You know, John didn't even know. I John mean, listen, I was behind him at the time. If I'm a guy and I'm arguing with John <laughs> and I see you walk up, my mind says to me, "Shit, this is the massive bodyguard. I better, I better calm down a little bit." You know, kind of explain what happened, and then the you know they they resolved it, and Jonathan turns around, and sees me, and he's just laughing. He just you know. That the timing of it, and, and that just became a story that bonded us, and we just continually grew, and we got to know each other better. He came up to see our store in West Palm. I would go down there, we, and then we just partnered up on so many projects. I mean, if if you look back at it historically, the first micro blend, even when we didn't know what micro blend was, or the idea wasn't even in my head, but the first smoke in micro blend was the Ming subculture right. that we had done right. with Estate, you know, and we were the first shop. You know, at first it was a smoking exclusive, and then they started selling it across across the country. But um, that kind of put our company on the map. You know, a lot of loyal Drew Estate followers were then looking for smoking. Where do I get the cigar called Ming? And the marketing was pretty cool and pretty badass. Um, and it was funny because no one knew who I was at the time. I, I mean, we joke about it, but I mean, there's literally a story where Cigars International had taken that marketing ad and put it on the cover of one of their cameras. Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's great. And friends started calling me and guys in the industry like, well, why are you on the cover of Cigars International? I'm like, what? And I, honestly, I think at that time I was like, Cigar who? I mean, that's how right. early we were, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. And that was the micro blend before micro blends. Yeah, that was the micro blend before there were micro blends. And, um, and, and it kills me because that's got to be going close to 20 years old. And every now and then on social media, a, a, a box of those Mings will show up somewhere. And I think even um, Kevin from Cigar Prop, he like started a whole like, you know, like search and, and talking about it and like revitalized it like during COVID. Like, you know, what is this Ming cigar? Like he like he had found like some uh, lost long uh, treasure somewhere. But yeah, it just hasn't gone away. And, and Jonathan actually gave me my first nickname in the industry, Ming. It's funny. I, I remember probably a little bit before COVID, J-Rock, one of our beloved customers at uh, at the West Palm shop, actually came in smoking a mink. And I said, Jesus, how, how old is that thing? Where'd you get that from? And he just gave me the look like, yeah, I've been around. Yeah, there were two There were two renditions. There was um, uh, an early, if you were one of the lucky two or 300, I think they were originally made, you got the Mings that were in each individual wooden coffin box, right? Then when they made it for national release, it didn't come, but it had a really funky label with like color balls and, you know, jewelry. I mean, it just, it was a weird, very funky looking label. And then the second rendition, maybe two years later was Ming Dynasty. It was cleaned up a little bit. It was a diff different look. Not that there was anything wrong with the first one, but right. they're completely different looking bands. So 
There's a was it the same? Was it the same blend? No, the Ming Dynasty actually had two wrappers on it. It had a different wrapper foot. It had a Connecticut foot. Okay. So yeah, it was was not the same blend. The Ming Dynasty was not the same blended cigar. So, um, and I, I don't think I have. Maybe I got one in my collection somewhere. Really? Yeah, maybe. There might there might be a coffin that somebody found and gave to me back behind me somewhere. I gotta check. JD, your brother. JD, we're having some technical issues with JD with his connection from where he's at. Uh, we stabilized it. That's why at the late start of the show today, we stabilized it, um, and, we, and we thought we were good. But uh, must people must be waking up and getting on the broadband over there and uh, or cellular and uh, right. you know. Well, hopefully we can get them back. Yep. We, we'll, we'll sure. uh, in the meantime, should we should we give away? Should we do a little? It's we're almost at the top of the hour. Should we yeah. do? All right, so people, if you're just joining us, Alex, you got a pack. I, I, why don't you show them uh, these, these awesome T52? What, what do they call these? Carry on or they have carrier a bag? I mean, this thing is. If you can see this, we try and get up. This yeah. thing is really nice. I mean, it's not when I saw the when I saw the um, the pictures of it, you can't tell that, you know, I don't know if it's leather or some type of leather type material, but it's not just some polyester. It's extremely nice. Nice looking bag. Yeah. I mean, it's a bag you're going to use. It's not just one of those that'll just sit in a closet and like, I want to, I want some dopey bag. And they, and, got, and they got stuff in there. Look at that. And I they got, stuff in. They got a little toiletry bag. And it's got all and kinds there's stuff of stuff in it, right? Yes, it's 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 got a. Let me take this stuff out the plastic because it's really nice stuff. Um, so we got a little wallet type thing. We have a what I assume is some kind of bag tag T fifty two as well. The T fifty two socks, which I love. Oh, that is cool. Yes. And last, well, not last. Okay. <laughs> there's more. There, and there's, there's more. So great T52 pocket knife. You can see that. Ooh, yes, nice very looking nice. Knife. Nice looking knife. And now last but not least, once I get this open, see if you can see some awesome T52 cufflinks. Oh, wow. Oh, those yes. are cool. Now, I, cool. now I'm going to guess, Paul, that you have shirts that require cufflinks. I have, yeah. Why would you? I don't. Is that a bad thing? I have. I used to only no, wear shirts. And cufflinks. No, but the last one I had was when I got married, so I don't know if I still have it. But if I do, I definitely don't fit in it. And I'm pretty sure Alex doesn't have one, so I, I, I'm. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. So, out of the four, out of three of us, I'm figuring you're probably the one that could use cufflinks out of us. Yeah, I have. You know, I worked at Tiffany and Company, so I have a lot of really nice cufflinks as well all right so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna ask i think we i think we have jd back too jd you with us yo i'm with you man can you hear me right now yes, i can man. hear you all right yeah man i apologize so much dude. this has been a struggle but i'm so glad still to be here with you guys on the 400 so yo yeah now we'll right. rock through it man we'll get it we'll we'll figure it out 
We're here. I know, I know I've told you before, JD, I just want to synopsis what you missed, but basically I talked about how you inspired us and what we did and pushed us to get our reach out there to the world, which I was against. And you literally for weeks on end bashed it into me and talked me into it and helped make it happen. And actually helped us out and started us out in the process. So, you know, it, it, it was a mutual time for both of us to grow. So. Yeah, man, that's what it's about. You know, I believe in what's, what I what I don't call it, but believe in each one. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, obviously, right, the people who you love the most can hurt you the worst. And the people who you who are the closest to you, you know, you 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 fight with them to to get there and to understand their potential and understand the future and have that, you know, that forward vision. And with you, it was. Uh, you know, you, you, you have, you're setting your ways. You're a very traditional man and, you know, you have your, your, your path forward and, and you clear the noise and you get in there. So you don't let a lot of distractions. And, uh, I came at you with a lot of different, um, a vision that I, that it really took a lot of, of work for you to, to shift and make time for. But once you did, um, you just ate it up, man, and it's just been just been. So I'm glad to have played it an influence, and, and I think it's back and forth. You know, we've both brought that, and and uh, that's the cigar, the modern day cigar shop, right? You know, uh, Kiss My Ash does it live. It's it's, you know, we all need help, and we all need love, and we all need guidance, and we all need to be smacked in the face every now and then, and and, and you know. Um, who do you trust the people around you who you love and, and respect, you know? So, so that's why I saw your homeboy showing the uh, swag and yo, he showed it pretty good, man. But, uh, so I caught parts and pieces of it, but th this, this Liga Pravada swag is, is dope. Uh, what this year we've had good swag. We've had great swag. Then we have triumphant swag and this leather bag. Yo, this is no, no joke. This thick leather. This is like, this is like Louis Vuitton level shit, man. The people <laughs> at Louis are calling me. They're like, "Yo, you gotta get some Drewy. This is heavy, heavy, you know, heavy bail right here." So uh, that's some beautiful swag, and we're kicking it off this week, I believe, or in, in a in a in a week and a half, whatever it is, whatever the kickoff day is. That you'll be able to to nationwide grab it, but of course, you know, uh, smoke in to char charter that this time around. So, thanks so much for showing off the shit. Our consumer engagement team decked it out to get it crazy for uh, just some super high end shit. So, all yeah, good they, on they, it. They did deck it out, and and smoke in. We'll be having a T fifty two launch event on December first, where yeah. people can get the opportunity to hopefully uh, acquire some of it. But thanks to you. And the fine team over at DE, we're going to give away three of those packs today. Right now is the first one. I'm going to ask a trivia question right now. We're going to see who are really the hardcore buffs. And Paul, uh, Paul, do you know the answers, correct? Yes. Yes, I okay. have the answers now. So, I, I had to look it up. I had to make sure I had them. I'm sure I know them. Okay. Because I kind of right. tested myself, but I have them in front of me. So whoever right, so has, whoever I see with the co the correct answer first is going to be the winner, correct? Yes, on Paul's screen. So not on your screen at home, at Paul's right. screen. So here's a question that I think some of our hardcore fans really would have to know. Because And it's proper for today's technical issues, right? In which episode was KMA done 
completely over a cell phone. Yeah, that, that's proper. That's proper we had technical difficulties. We ended up doing a whole show completely over a cell phone. And which episode was that done? So you'd have to tell us the episode, the guest, where it was, where we had to do the show completely over a cell phone. No, numbers ain't going to do it. You got to tell me the episode, Evan Darnell. <laughs> They're just <laughs> yeah. numbers. They're guessing numbers. Nope. No number guessing. You have to tell us the guest. And where it was. Give us the oh, give us the guest and where it was. I see a lot of numbers going on. Yeah, because they don't have to know. They can right. just shoot in the dark and hopefully get it right. We'll give it a <laughs> few more minutes before the break. Coop. Episode they're they're guessing episode three with JD. Yeah, Coop. <laughs> no, Coop is like this is too easy. No, nobody's gotten the right answer yet. I'm surprised, man. Chad, Felice, and Risty at Boynton. We did have technical difficulties. We ended up buying a new computer, leaving the studio, and doing that show from Boynton. So that was – I'll give everybody a hint. It was a remote show. We were in another part of the country. We were in another part of, another part of the country. We were doing a remote show. And, um, oh, we got easier questions, Matt. Somebody's going to win this. I just started with a tough one. That's you a did. tough one. I, I didn't know the answer to this question. I had to check. All right, I'm going to give it about 30 more seconds, and we're just going to call it and go to the next question. Hey, John. Yeah. Can you hear us? I hate to do this because I know we've been having technical difficulties, but is there mm -hmm. any way you could cock your screen a little bit? That sun's coming, and we can't see them gazelles. Them gazelles. All, right, all, right, all right. How about this? Because it seems to be a delay. Can you hear me? No, you're not. You're on another screen. You're on you're the computer. You're on the you're computer. Broadcasting from the computer right now. There you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Oh, that works. The Wait, no, no, where are you trying to work from? There you there go. Is. There, there you go. go. <laughs> what up? What up? I've been All working right, from nobody... three different. I didn't even know which one I was. I was working from the computer <laughs> and two phones. And I'm telling you, I'm moving. You saw me moving the other. I thought you were taking pictures of the screen or something, bro. I thought I was on the other devices. I've been trying from three devices, one computer. I was almost going to pull the other computer. Now I got you clear right here. Yo, there what's that episode and who was it? It was. Right. It was Davidoff of New York. It was the first time. We had Hanky Kellner on. We'd flown in New York, and their Wi-Fi did not work, and we ended up having to do the whole episode by cell phone. And one of the funniest stories is I had Lady M call in to talk to – she's like, you know, she saw an ad for Davidoff. She's like, can I get Zeno Davidoff as a guest? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we actually have this call on audio. We should look it up. But she called up, and she asked for Zeno Davidoff, and the guy behind the counter, his name at the time was actually Lino, L-I-N-O. So the guy pauses and he goes, um, are you looking for Lino? No, 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 I'm looking for Zeno. Um, there's no Zeno here. There's a Lino. She's, and Emily's like, Zeno Davidoff? And the guy's like, um, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> all you hear is a pause and Emily goes, oh. And then she realized we were playing a prank on her. All she right. Goes, she goes, fucking Abe. Yes, yes.
So here's an easier one that hopefully get get somebody will get for that swag bag. All right. We've only done one episode from an IPP ICPR show. Okay. You don't have to tell me the year, but if you tell me what city the IPCPR show was, so we did a live game they broadcast from, you will win that back. We got so so what city we did the the IPCPR show from? Yep. From so which, while this, I, while this is going on, I I just gotta say, um, with this swag, you know, I've noticed a lot of manufacturers have have started to get the hint that everybody seems to be a little tired of the the cutter and the lighter. See, everybody's probably got 50 cutters and lighters. But this swag, it's really another level. It really right, is. We got a winner. I, I got to give a you winner. credit. Man. This swag is another level. And we got a winner. And we and, and I'm excited to say who it is because he's a good friend of the show. The first correct answer is Curtis Critchfield. Congratulations, Curtis. Congratulations. <laughs> nice job. We're going to give two more away in the second hour. Of uh, KMA Talk Radio. I can fan and white it a little bit. Look at that. It's I mean, look at this Gorgeous. Curtis, congrats. Uh, On the way. How's he doing, JD? Is he is he Vanna Whiting it good enough? Yo, he's doing good, man. He's doing good. The bag is dope, and all the shit inside is is dope. They really turned it. I don't know what kind of money they spent on this. Consumer engagement probably got my ass in trouble because I know <laughs> I'm trying to see is it's the real deal leather because it's got that butter to it. It's like butter, butter so super soft, and the socks, all the shit is cool, but the leather's crazy. I, yeah, I want to see uh, Curtis. We want a picture of you wearing the socks with some, uh, with some, with some like high-rise jeans and walking down the street with your bag over your shoulder. That's that's the conditions for winning the prize pack. All right, <laughs> we gotta take a short little break so we can pay some bills, and after the break, we're gonna have more with JD. See what's going on with him and Drew Estate, and we got two more of those T52 bags to give away. So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Keep it lit. Hola a todos, mi nombre es Elmer Suárez de La Flor de Copán en Honduras. My name is Ernesto Cranwinkel and I'm from La Romana, Dominican Republic. Hola, mi nombre es Diana, soy de Manizales, Colombia. Días, Freddy Molina desde Estelín, Nicaragua. Hola amigos, saludos a todos. María Santis, orgullosa de ser puertorriqueña. Cheers, I'm Oliver, I'm from London, England. I love H. Uman Añejo. My favorite H. Upman Dominican cigar is the H. Upman Banker. My favorite H. Upman cigar is the Herman's Batch. Favorite H. Upman is the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. Mi cigarro favorito is H. Upman Española. I highly recommend you try the H. Upman 175th anniversary, awarded number 10 cigar of 2019. One world together with H. Upman. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Welcome back. back. Welcome back, everybody. KMA Talk Radio. Honest Abe here with the crew, uh, Paul and Alex. And uh, our special guest today, one of our old, I mean, not just an icon and a legend in the cigar industry, because, I mean, this could be the really the first guy that I know of, that I could think of, that actually connected a following internationally person to person i mean this is the first guy i saw him really embrace consumers and consumers 
you know, built such a following as, as, a, as an owner and a proprietor and a founder of the company. And um, a, a lot of what my inspiration was and how to, how to, you know, interact with consumers, but uh, also an old friend. So uh, Jonathan Drew on uh, KMA's 400th episode from Sag Harbor. I, yeah, that's right, from Sag Harbor. But you know something, dude, what, when you think about it, right, now, you know, we look towards digital technology to be able to reach, reach, reach. And it's all about how many you reach, how many likes did you get, how many interactions, what they say, you know, it's not even what they say half the time. It's like, how many, how many? But, you know, um, standing there when you're going to do an event, it's supposed to be three hours and you stand there nine hours and they got to lower you into the car because you can't bend your back. And then, you know, for three days you're with a cane and then for the next, you know, and, you're, and it, it was constant like that for many, many years of just, uh, you know, eating pizzas three times in one day. And I always was like, yo, listen, man, these people, these dudes and dudettes that who who they love cigars and you spend a little time, you know, it it's it's such a bonding experience. And, and it blossomed where like it was like didn't matter if JD was there or not. At that point, it was like, yo, Drew Estate, it was that Grateful Dead kind of like, you know, traveling. And uh, it's it's it caught on to ignite past just Drew Estate and it became it became basically an antithesis for the industry to understand that there's, you know, there's something very communal and that fellowship approach to to our our, our culture, and um, it really changed the cigar world. And it really comes down to just an investment because you can build a building and second building, all sorts of buy tobacco, but you know your time is a huge investment. Our time is very limited, so whatever business people are in. You know, when you're putting your time into the people around you, not just people work for you, but you know, you go deeper. It's it's it was a it was a tremendously rewarding piece for us, Abe, and and I think it changed the industry and it made the our business. You know, it made it fun. People would go to events and just you know, uh, shit would be popping off. People would be dancing, bring their wives, you know, and Drew State always bring the party to everything. So. Uh, you know, thanks for acknowledging that. Well, this, this is a, actually a really good segue, John, to a question that I, I kind of really personally want to ask you, right? Because, you know, we both have that history of you building something from a little place in Brooklyn. I remember when you first moved down here and we're moving people down here and got your first place down in Florida and, and, and moved your operations and built this thing to this, this mega, mega conglomerate. And... You know, one of the questions, you know, and, and honestly, because our lives have just gotten so busy that, you know, we're not fortunate enough to have lunches or dinners like we used to or sleepovers or, you know, whatever it is. But, you <laughs> know, slumber parties, right? Slumber parties like my kids like to have. But, <laughs> you know, what when, I haven't been there. I don't know if I'll be there. Maybe one day I'm going to sit in your shoes and have to look at what I built and what I've done. What was going on in your head psychologically, emotionally at the time when the thought of selling the company that you built to another company, what, what, I mean, what was the thought process at that moment? Was How difficult was it? Was it difficult at all? Because it's your baby. Oh, man. Man, it was, uh, it was, it was tremendously difficult, first of all. But the, the – and let me know if I'm not coming in clear right now. Cause I've been having you sound great. Uh, exactly. So – Thank you. It was uh, what goes on through your mind, right? Is like this. Um, 
think about it. I'm I'm a um, I'm I'm the child of my parents. I'm um you know I'm my mother's son, my father's son. I don't have a big family. I really didn't know anybody else in my family until recently. Um, so this business and Drew Estate and me, JD, Jonathan Drew, and and the people around it. And the buildings that we built and walking to our field when we bought it and, you know, overlooking the city of Esteli and the valleys and the dirt, picking that dirt up in your hand. And, and you know, before there was any building there, when people that go to Drew Estate, they're like, holy shit, I went to Drew Estate. I took a picture in front of the wall. And then we hung out at Subculture Studios. So it's the size of three football fields now. Basically, it's close to probably 300,000 square feet, 285, 250, 270. I don't know. But before there was any of that, there was dirt on a cliff, you know, with some vegetation. And I remember getting sticker bushes as I was walking through showing my dad and and walking the field and, and then, you know, with Marvin or Marielos and, and saying like, you know, this is gonna be our factory. This is the this is this is this is where we're moving to, like, you know, Turkish tribes during the times of the, the Ottoman Empire and the uh, Mongols and the Crusades, you know, because that's how my works. It was like, these is our lands. This is biblical. We're, we're going we're gonna to build this, the, the greatest factory that the world, not the greatest factory, the greatest factory that the world has ever seen. And people are looking at me and I'm trying to keep the lights on. And I got, you know, uh, uh, shoes on that were ratty and pants I had worn for 30 days straight. You know what I'm saying? And, and I was just uh, cargo shorts. I remember I retired those motherfuckers. I put them on Facebook. Um, and, you know, people are looking at me like I was crazy. Like, what are you talking about? So, you know, you think to your room at the at, at La Gran Fabrica, Drew Estate, and you think about my father's room and, and what does it mean? What happens to your room? And, and you know, um, across, we bought the orphanage across the street, which they were transitioning to moving the, 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 the kids out into a different style, more Americanized style of of people, <clears throat> of people, you know, the kids moving into homes and stuff like that. And we gave them like five years, however long they needed to do what they had to do and stuff like that, you know. And then you built, we built your estate two over there. And, um, you know, so what goes through your mind is, you know, your culture, when people talk about culture all the time, what they omit to talk about or don't, or they're not insightful enough to understand or maybe don't want to talk about is the pain. You know, I think people think food is culture and music is culture and dance is culture and it is. And tradition is culture and religion. But also through all of that is this, this, this weaved pain. And that pain that weaves into it is, you know, when you start thinking about what you've built and you say, you know, it's been 19, when I sold Jerusalem, when we sold Jerusalem, it was 19 years that we had developed it and built this thing and shined that diamond and scraped that diamond and shined that diamond and butted that diamond and broke the diamond, break it again. It's perfect. Like Apple, it's perfect. Break it. What? Yeah. Controlled destruction. Break it and do it again. And living in that space in your mind of, of, um, it's a turmoil space, it's, but it's a space, it's very powerful, it's a very destructive space. And uh, to think about that, right, where you build something that's absolutely killer, quintessentially beautiful, and after you build it and you get it to where you want, you're gonna destroy it, rip it down, so that you can rebuild it, right? Destroy it, rebuild. And then in comes the moment to sell. And you say to yourself, well, is this me? Am I selling me? Am I selling something beyond me, bigger than me? 
are smaller than me, part of me, and you start to remove yourself out of it and you think of Drew Estate as, as we transition from a cult brand to a trust brand in 19 years, from a group of idiots, a group of morons and wild ass individuals doing whatever to a bunch of more mature, you know, more sophisticated and always beautifully hearted. That's one thing we've always had is a beautiful heart as a company. And you just got to, oh, we got to destroy it to rebuild it. So in a way, every time, every change is an emblem of extinction, right? It's, a, it's, it's, it's destruction. So I went through that on a personal level, but I like the bit of family who bought it. It's a family business. It's uh, which had been a family business 105 years. And they've gone through their, 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 their transitions like every company. So you go through a lot of pain, Abe, but I felt as though it was the rebirth. It was a time for a blessing and it was time to uh, people not just have, we all have more funds to do more things, bigger company, more money that we're going to build. More. Yeah. We were scrapping and we were going to build no matter what we were, we were building no matter what, whoever we would borrow money from. I was talking to my homeboy who got the Bronxilla out there now, the new the new acid Bronxilla from the acid 20. You know, hey, man, can I borrow 10 grand, 30 grand, 100 grand, a million dollars? Yeah. The other dudes can do 100 million, 2 million, 5 million dollars. We just borrow money like crazy. People were giving it to us. Banks, 13 million, 12 million. Mad money. And um, there was nothing that was going to stop this force because it was time for it. The world knew it. The tobacco industry needed it. They needed Drew Estate to change the game. And uh, the benefit of Drew Estate changing the game had its effects across the board, and it affected everybody. And uh, that's why Drew Estate wasn't just me and Marvin and Steve and Nick and Rubio and, and Luis and, and, and Rene. All of the people globally, Pedro Gomez, Willie Herrera, all of these people, me included, it was way bigger than us. It was people who was even our enemies and our competitors who see in Drew Estate grow new. Man. This shit is good for everybody. So we all in. We all live. Give them a piece now. We'll take it back later. I didn't take the shit back anyway. But it was painful. And and I'm here. Think of this. I'll throw a question back at you, Snap. Is this ready? What? Who's been around as long as JD after a sale? You're muted, Paul. Paul, you're on mute. Great comment, Paul. Thanks. <laughs> that's a that's another question that I had for you because that is a noticeable difference with with what's gone on. I can't hear home the, the company. The, I'll, I'll let the, I'll let the guys the, talk. The longest person that I know historically in the cigar industry, and this is not a fact. This is just my personal guess on the situation. Who stuck around with the company that acquired them? I think to date has been Ernesto Perez Carrillo. I think he stayed with General at least a 10 years or more before um, he moved out. But it's uncommon. Most guys are gone. They don't last a what year. year. What year What year did they do? What year did he come out with the EPC? Maybe six, seven years ago. We just had him on. He just talked about it. Yeah, but he was, he was with General for over a decade, almost a decade. I'm yeah, pretty he, sure. he talked about it. He All right, about so. It. So that's interesting because, you know... But it's uh, very uncommon, John. Most guys are gone. Yeah, but I want to say something. Even with Ernesto Perez Carrillo, when I destroyed the factory in 2002, you know, I made the front cover of La Prensa in Nicaragua because I fired every single person in the entire factory. And when we rebuilt after we had to do that, um, it was Ernesto Perez Carrillo who came to Nicaragua, stayed in my house with me for eight days, 
and hired with me our new uh, factory manager at the time was 2002. We've fired 242 people, um, except for one person, everybody had to go. And he was the one who rebuilt with me of how to reset and reestablish Drew Estate. So it's not surprising that he's the only one. He's got me by three years. So um, we'll see. <laughs> but but you know, it, you so it's been that long. Wow. Yeah, John, it's been, yeah, what, seven years now? 2014, so whatever that comes up to. Yeah, six years. Six, seven but years. John was the first person that shared that story with me. I remember. It might have been in the time you were living with us. But he told, that was the first time I, I started to see early in the industry how how – most of this industry, not everybody, as John will tell you, but there, they re there really is a brotherhood Whether John was telling me a story how Ernesto came and he told me he slept at our place, helped us regroup, figure out what we need to do. And I was like, wow, isn't, isn't he your competitor? That was my words to him. And John's like, man, it's a family. And I remember when Kiki had some issues, I think his barn burned down one. I mean, it, it's a common thing that in this industry that maybe not always makes street news, but it's a common occurrence, man. Most guys in this industry are there to help. And especially at times like now, I've been meaning to ask you since you got on. And they got me all emotionally sidetracked with that intro. But like, you know, um, Nicaragua took a took a bashing these last couple of weeks with with the hurricanes or whatever. Uh, are you up to speed? How, how has things sustained down in Nicaragua after this last hurricane? Yeah, you know... Um People will use words, you know, like, they're okay, or everybody, we're going to get through it, and this and that. But, you know, on an individual basis, you know, Nicaragua has always been billed as the super poor country, and I guess to, to certain standards or whatever it is. But there is a tremendous working class in Nicaragua, and, um, you know, uh, people live differently. A household could have anywhere from six to eight people. It's a little different than here in the United States. And, and People got hurt, Abe, really, really hurt. There are, there are people on the coast side, people got demolished straight out. You know, So when you think of Nicaragua or the Latins who are on the, on the Latin side, Nicaragua that we all know, the Savar side, the Managua, Estali, Somoto, Chinondega, uh, all, that, all that whole area of the country, they got, they got jammed up, I mean, for sure. And on the other side got smashed, the, the coast. So the, let's talk about the area that we know about, we talk about, which, you know, is is the main area of Nicaragua, the, 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 the main body. Um, people really, as you can imagine, through these kind of storms back to back, I don't think it's going to have the kind of devastation that, like, Puerto Rico has gone through. Um, because I think that, like, you know, the stronger you build something, the bigger you build something, the more there is to destroy, Right. So I think Puerto Rico, you know, has been so like um, it's just a difference from a standpoint of it's so industrialized, ready and modernized that I think that Nicaragua, you know, it's still an agricultural society. You know, it's still an agricultural. Uh, uh, it's the largest country in Central America. We think about Central Costa Rica, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Guatemala and um, and uh, um, Honduras. Uh, these countries are different from each other, but they're all one. And, you know, there's a very agricultural style communities will, 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 will go through these things differently. So the pain is bad for the individual family. If they lost a roof, that's a big deal. If they lost a, um, a piece of the house, that's a big deal. Then there's very poor people. So 
it's definitely the kind of thing where everybody should go if they can and and look online for a charity to invest into a little bit of money 10 20 bucks whatever and be able to send that to Nicaragua and and hopefully most of it will find its way there so it's as you could imagine Abe um, uh, I think for the cigar f families you know from the standpoint of Esteli our main city you know you have oh, you have Drew Estate you have uh, uh, Oliva and Perdomo, Padrone, uh, uh, Skip is there, STG, uh, uh, Pepin, all of those factories, Perdomo, all of those factories and the ones I'm missing because there's quite a few um, great, amazing factories. I'm not leaving anyone out on purpose just so I'm going to sit here and name one. They seem to like, they're more paternalistic with their, with their, with their workers, you know, AJ2, everybody's really, you know, obviously Hoya in Nicaragua. So every, we do things to try and get people ready and brace people and get them, you know, ready to take care of business and keeping. I think that the Esteli is in better shape than a lot of the country. They got hit with a lot of water. So there's a lot of water damage and that affects the factory also differently, right? Because you can't roll cigars with high humidity. Um, it's very problematic. So you're going to see the cigar industry is going through somewhat of a boom right now. And they're already having difficulty getting enough cigars out of the country without the two hurricanes based on COVID and based on the boom. So now with this, it makes things extra difficult because there's certain days that you'll feel in 45 days from now, 30, 45, 60 days from now of shipments that won't go out because they didn't produce cigars that day. Yeah. Didn't even Which think about the humidity factor too. Uh, the humidity factor is for real, man. You you have to have. That's why a lot of the the factories in Nicaragua have very good climate control. They invest into. They go, oh yeah, we got air conditioning uh, for the rollers. Yeah, you got air conditioning for the rollers, whatever. But you also got climate control because you need to have that. The the, the more consistent and drier actually the your humidity is, uh, the better it is for rolling cigars when it comes to you know uh, cigar construction and the draw that you're ultimately going to have. That's great. That's great introspect, John. One thing I got to give you credit. You always you always talk about the people first. You're always a people first guy. I, I see that in, in every conversation. And that's good introspect, man, because it does. It starts with the people. Yeah, for some reason, when homeboy, I got a really bad connection. So I, first of all, I hope I'm not cutting you off. But, you know, we, we've always been people, you know, first. We've always been um, very... Uh, uh, people centric in Nicaragua at the factories. You know, again, I, I like to speak about La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate and Drew Estate, but I really like also the admiration that I have for the other factories in Nicaragua, not just Drew and Hoya, but all, all of the factories. You know, it, we all really look after the people. Some do an incredibly amazing job of, of you know, taking care and looking after. Skip's a great example of New Blood, who's just been amazing with the people, and he just goes to the next level of always having a very strong commitment. But you know, Padrone, the incredible loyalty to their to their workers, and Hoya de Nicaragua, Drew, Placencia, the God. You know, these are people who teach you how to do it the right way. So we followed in the footsteps of of Hoya, Placencia, and Padrone. And um, I think though all of the factories in Nicaragua are very protective of their people and really go out of their way for them. We each have different strengths and weaknesses. And then again, not speaking down towards Cuba or towards Dominican Republic, Honduras, Mexico, Brazil, any of the countries who make cigars, you know, around the world. But I could just tell you, you know, the culture in Nicaragua is um, the standards of um, the government, you know, is, is very pro uh, worker. And they should be. And 
Um, people can say whatever they want to about political beliefs and this and that, but the, the political system has always been really take care of your employees. And that's something that, you know, I think they've set a great example. And I can say to you that the factories there in Nicaragua, when you're smoking a Nicaraguan cigar, you know that you're not smoking, you know, any kind of bad labor shit going on. People are pretty, they, they, they do it the right way. All the factories in Nicaragua straight up. Well, that means something that that means something, especially to me, that's you, you want to know that you're that you're partaking in something that, you know, the people that that put it together, that make it, that grow it are treated fairly. Abe, I can't really hear him, but but it, but he, he agreed with you. Look, any good company is always built on people. Right. Nobody could do it alone. And, you know. One of the nice things I'm sure John got to experience and, and we get to experience as we grow and become bigger organization, you're able not only to keep and reward those loyal people, but get new people, which help build what you worked on, right? I mean, to have a team that you could work on instead of like in the beginning. I mean, John will tell you, you know, he was probably banging out stuff for his first trade show, putting it together himself. I mean, I mean, that's how you start out. And, you know, you know, and you get to a point where, thank God, now you got teams that help organize and help you take your vision and your company path to where it's got to go. So growth is a great thing. We um, we got another old friend of yours coming on, one of our KMA contributors, Coop. But before we get Coop on, let me ask a second trivia, and that way we control the questions. I'll make this one a little bit, a little bit more modern, so everybody's got a clear shot. If you were, if you're a real KMA fan, there's the bag. Look at it. Look oh, at it. Oh, baby. That baggy can be yours. I may I may only give away two and keep one of those. But here we go. I know. They are really nice. They are nice. So here's the question. Paul, you can state the winner. After I after I ask the question as they're shooting off the answers, Paul, let's bring you it on, all right? So here's the question. KMA had to stop broadcasting. Uh at the start of COVID, we were shut out of the iHeartMedia studios due to COVID. And we had to take some time off to regroup and figure out how we were going to do the show and continue to do the show. Who was the first KMA guest during the quarantine period after we had to shut down for COVID? So let's see who gets that. And if uh, Coop's on, let's bring him in. I don't have the answer to that. How could you? You were producer. <laughs> I, I got the answer. <laughs> If if I, I know the answer, if no one gets it, I want a shot at that answer. All right, all right, let's. There it is. That's the correct answer. That's the first one. Quinton Thor Nation. That's Quinton Nation. You win the prize pack. Quinton Thor. Down. Oh, we got a lot of a lot of answers. That one, Mawa, you were right, but. Uh... Look at that! I want to see you in those socks, Quinton. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if he can get to Goliath feet in them socks. These are nice, man. Listen, these are nice. Again, none of this stuff is cheap stuff, man. It's really not. I don't know what these guys oh, spent, man. John, but they didn't spare any expense on this stuff. There you go. Coop, welcome to the 400th episode, my friend. Wow, 400 episodes, and it seems like yesterday we were in Atlanta doing 300, and today right. we on. It didn't get better than this. Well, that was one of our optional questions, which it won't be now, but yeah, we did our 300 so, episodes. I was going to say. <laughs> you, you'd be surprised that he'll still get it wrong. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, but technically it was not in Atlanta, so I wouldn't accept that answer. Alpharetta? Alpharetta, Georgia. Uh, Alpharetta, well, Georgia, yep. Yes, I won't say any more. <laughs> yeah, seriously, stop bringing up facts, damn it. You're going through our list. So talk about, <laughs> talking about building teams, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. Paul was a great acquisition. And, and, and honestly, I'll say it on the air. Paul's not just a producer. Paul and I have become friends. Uh, we we share life and fatherhood. And um, it's kind of what bonded all three of us, you know, uh, a little bit of life and fatherhood. And, and, well, it's, and, funny hearing, it's funny hearing JD's perspective on his friendship with you because, you know, I, I, I as, I, as I have become a father, because since I've known you, I, I wasn't, I wasn't married. I was the single guy. So I, I got married. I have, I had two children and I don't know what the hell I'm doing with kids. Like I, I see Abe's kids and I see what I want my children to be. Oh, so I you. speak to, I speak to Abe and Brandy a lot about certain things that, I, you know, I am not a hundred percent sure of, like, how would you guys handle this? Because I see how their children are, especially in public, but even when I'm just talking to them, you know, privately in a, in a room somewhere, like they're just very, very intellectual, very kind and, and good kids. But like, I want my kids to be like that. So what did you do? Give me a guideline, you know, it, so Abe helped me a lot. Uh, there's no roadmap, bro. It's a struggle every day. We just, had our first, <laughs> we just had our first incident with Asher, my son. He got kicked in the face at the bus stop after school by oh, a no. fifth, wait, by a fifth grader. All right, right. My, take him yeah, down? My, my son is in kindergarten, and a fifth grade kid. He got in a tussle with a fifth grade kid. Um, proudly, he got up and started chasing the kid. Um, <laughs> but but Mama was on fire. That was Mama was on fire. Was Mama on fire. Was on fire, man. Oh. I, I was afraid we were going to have a second throwdown yeah. with the mom to mom meeting over this, you know. Um, but look, I, I told her. Look, it wasn't. A, I think they just got out of hand, and I think it was a isolated incident. And my wife went and talked to the mom, and she was in shock. And it's, but you know, it's, there's, there's always going to be something. It's the struggle of parenthood. And Coop, Coop's got more experience than probably the, the three of us put together, four of us put together. Yeah, oh yeah, right, right, right. But we but, made the decision. You know, we're, we got the boxing gloves. We're ordering them. We're going to get them out there with Carmine. We're going to get him trained up. Yep. He'll be ready for round <laughs> two. He'll be ready for the rematch. Yeah, but you know, Paul, same same thing for me. I I pulled the John. I I spent a couple months at Abe's house as well. So you know, I was in that same boat 10, 12 years later. So I understand the hospitality and and, and kind of the friendships that bond. You know, I was in that same position. I didn't know that that was up for grabs, man. Listen, maybe I'll go hang out at your house for a couple days <laughs> break here. But but Coop was another great, honestly, part of what made KMA what it is today, right? Because yeah, we were always good on entertainment. News wasn't our thing. So, you know, when we got when we got with Coop and Coop became a contributor to the show, honestly, another one of the best things that happened to KMA Talk Radio. Thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, it's it's to be a part of this. And this is next year is 10 years. Next year will be the 10-year anniversary. So it's another big milestone. Um, and J.D. mentioned it earlier. It is truly part of the fabric of of listening to cigar shows. I started listening to episode one in my backyard. I remember the, wow. it was like a September day, I think, when it was. And I uh, started listening in the backyard. And, and to be a part of this now, it's like a dream come true. I mean, I'm, I'm honored. I remember when we discussed bringing Coop on. And uh, I didn't know, I had only known Coop's website. I didn't know Coop as a personality at all. I had never met him before. I had never seen videos with him. So, I, you know, I naturally as a as a performer i was a little hesitant 
to bring a writer, what I thought was a, a writer reporter onto the show to, to be on the show. And, and Abe and Adam at the time both were like, no, 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 this guy, he knows what he's doing. He can talk. And, and we had, I remember having you on uh, the, the first time and I was like, all right, I can take a breath now. We're going to, we're going to be in good hands. And it really was a great match for all of us. Well, well, thank you. And, you know, in fairness to your comment, Paul, um, I know that they had tried, they had the old blogger corner, and some guys worked out and some guys didn't work out. Just the writers didn't translate to being on the air. I don't know if I still have done that, but um, I guess I guess it's okay. Right? But, uh, but, yeah, I remember that, that some of the bloggers would come on and they, they would be completely unprepared, some of these guys. And the, the guy, these guys aren't around anymore either, the ones who were unprepared, is well, what I'll say. When guys we started prepared, it, so there were no podcasts. When we started that whole concept, there were no podcasts. There were no videos. Right. We didn't right. know what anybody looked like. We didn't know what anybody sounded like. So we said, let's bring these bloggers and put them on the air because they write such great content. And then we put them on the air like, oh, my God, these guys can't talk, some of these guys. It was like, Yeah, they have a, they have a personality of a wet rag. Or they just get nervous. I mean, people it's get tough. nervous. It, it is tough. Yeah, it is hard. Um, I think I remember my first appearance very nervous to say that. So, you know, uh, but somehow I survived, right? Uh, you're still here, yeah. Yeah. So well, I'm not in the parlor because I I could I was in the middle. I was gonna set up in the parlor, but then you may have needed me early, so I had to I had to stay put with the studio setup. People are <laughs> well. Thank you for thank you for doing that. What yeah. do you have? Uh, is there is there any epic news this week that you can bring to the 400th episode? Um, nothing epic. Uh, I wouldn't say there's anything epic this week. It was a uh, if, if uh, few cigars coming out. The CLE 25th anniversary cigar heading to the stores at the end of the uh, month. Uh, that's going to be a, to celebrate Christian Aroa's 25 years in the cigar industry. Um, and that's going to be a Honduran Puro available in four press sizes. Um, and one of those sizes will be the iconic 1118 size, which is that kind of uh, figurado shape that's going to go to uh, TA retailers. So you guys uh, could be on the lookout for that. Um, a couple of other new cigars, just folks uh, out of Room 101. Um, there's the Room 101 11th anniversary cigar. Um, not much details on that other than it's going to be a, uh, an all-Nicaraguan cigar in a figurado shape that is coming from an undisclosed factory. And the other news is one of the more successful Room 101 cigars prior to Matt kind of leaving Davidoff was the uh, Big Payback Connecticut. That line is also making a comeback. So Matt's bringing back the Big Payback. Um, and he's going to be making this Big Payback this time at Hoya de Nicaragua. Wow. So that, that's what was this week. It's, it, we're getting into a lighter stage of news now that we are heading into Thanksgiving. And I imagine the news cycles will pick up uh, in December as the holidays come in. So we, we should look forward to that. Cool. Well, not to stifle your journalistic uh, skill set, Coop, is there anything you wanted to ask, J.D.? Yeah, yeah that was my could, question. Could, yeah, J.D., can you hear me? You can't hear Coop? No, he comes in and out. I can only hear you clearly, to be honest. All right. Ask, 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 tell him I'll type it in the chat. And you can okay, repeat, repeat it. it. What's the question you want to ask him, Coop? So this year, Drew State seemed very, very prepared to deal with virtual events. Um, you know, they, they had COVID. They weren't going to the trade show. And 
I was just going to, I wanted JD's opinion on it. He's got to be very pleased how Drew Estate was very ready to deal with 2020. So, JD, it's not you, it's Coop. He's got that uh, five cent internet going on in his house. We're going to have to help him upgrade his internet. But, oh, geez. <laughs> Coop, Coop wanted to know how you felt of your team's preparedness for COVID because when COVID hit, it seemed like Drew Estate was the first company really to be ready to be out there and pivot at this and, and make and still and start reaching out and connecting to people um, virtually, you know, in response to COVID. Yeah, you know, Coop's always got those insightful questions. My man is 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 <laughs> smart and on top of uh, on top of what's going on. And yeah, you know, we we definitely pulled some killer bee shit because you know when you think about. You know, one side of the picture that we've really spoke a lot about today is the beautiful side, the romantic side. When somebody's factory has a problem and they need a generator, you bring it. There. You bring, give them what you, they need. Or if someone needs tobacco when they ran out, you try and help them. And so there's that side of our business, which is is really beautiful, and we all want to help each other um, as manufacturers, etc. And even in the U.S. side. But uh, then there's the other side, which is the competitive side, right? And that's a whole different world. And it doesn't mean you have to be nasty and like hate somebody or like try, I'm going to destroy it. It ain't all about that. It's about just winning. And, uh, you know, Drew Estate, we're connected to our people. That's what that's what's our our superhero. Right. I mean, you know, I guess you could say, oh, Drew Estate's diversity in the traditional, non-traditional infused brands makes them so unique or they have so many different tastes for different things. So I guess all of that matters. But when it comes down to to it, we have to be connected to our people. We need that energy. And um, when we uh, saw things progressing, you know, negatively globally, I was a little ahead of it because I was traveling probably like 300 days a year. So I was already crazy. You know, I went to the TPE trade show all gloved up and face masked up. And people, all the Cuban dudes laughing at me in Miami at the airport being like, JD, you're looking like an idiot. You're the only one on the plane with masks and shit. I was like, yeah, motherfucker, watch out. So when everybody was laughing at my <laughs> stupid ass going to a TPE, you know, I remember everybody, everybody, oh, but look at him, look at him. It was all the plane was full of cigar people, you know, everybody, probably 85, 90% of the plane. And I already was in the lab. And I was like, yo, this shit's coming fierce. I've been in Japan four times, China many times, and, and all over. I knew it was coming. So we hunkered in, and, and Drew Estate played it with strength. So what we had to do was be able to understand, you know, we have strengths and weaknesses. And our strengths is, is certainly one of them is in, is in our numbers, is in being able to set up points of distribution. It's all about points of distribution. Wu-Tang Clan, what they used, what they did from the beginning, RZA, when he busted the team apart, didn't put everybody on the same record label, they moved you know, Raekwon and Ghost onto one and Method Man onto a different label and, and Jizza on a different. He spread them up so they could own the airwaves through, through uh, a diversified distribution pattern. We do the same thing because that's what we're based on, the Wu-Tang Manual. So when we looked at, at the way we communicate through the interweb, was to be able to not just fill the pipeline, but to bust the pipeline in half. We had to crack it. And the way to do that, we had to move fast. We had to move accurately and create a, create a system that was going to be able for us to, to, to partner with our consumers and our retailers. So we moved quickly into hyperdrive to be able to take advantage of our core competencies and reach the consumers and be able to listen to them, not just communicate, shooting your shit on their asses. You had to listen. 
letting them communicate back and that, you know, that, that two-way ecosystem. We set it up quickly and our team galvanized on the sales and, and the marketing side. And uh, I'm glad you acknowledged it because, uh, you know, it's been a lot of effort. And, you know, um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of what happened, Coop. It, it was a job well done. A job now well I done. Now I can hear you good, buddy. Good to hear you. Good to hear your voice. I was just hearing a bunch of wah, 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 wah before. <laughs> <laughs> a, jo a job well done. I mean, um, and, and JD, you got to be excited about the next couple of years because next year, for example, is Undercrown's 10th anniversary. And that's a milestone uh, brand that, that Drew Estate launched in 2011. Yeah, man. So let me know if I'm coming in clear because it's starting to chop up. Is 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 uh, we're very excited about the next couple of years. One of the you know various things that have we're really look Drew Estate's been changing from the begin. We're always changing. It's not about a sale. We're people over that shit now. It's that we're always in a state of progress because. That's Drew Estate. We're just not stay, you know, we don't stay put. It's just not our DNA. So, you know, year after year, we we bring the 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 the, the noise. We bring the new things we're creating, and then we strike out. You know, sometimes we do shit. Be like, yo, when you saw the new Tesla truck, some idiot somewhere in his underwear was like, yo, look at that stupid shit. Yo, JD getting that new Tesla truck? Not a question, because that's the future. He's just put his more. He said, look at the future. Here it is. It's so clear for us. It's identifiable. And now we're going to make sure that we own that because, you know, it's clear what it needs to be. So for us, and then sometimes he goes, oh, damn, you did everything right. And it still struck out. So, you know, it's about taking those risks and not being afraid, not being afraid to strike out, not being afraid to worry, did I get it right? What you got to get is your heart right. So our brands and the new products that are coming out um, that will, will come out over the next number of years, some of them are these kind of mind-blowing shits where you know right off to get, you know, what's going what's gonna to kill it, rip the walls down. Other things is more experimental that you might have had in the pipeline 5, 10 years, 12 years in your mind, and you might have started working on it, put it down, pick it back up. So we got the pipeline squared away. The pipeline is, is deep at Drew Estate. We have years and years and years into the pipeline at this point. So for 2021, all I'm going to say to you is this. Yo, the shit Drew Estate is going to drop in 2021, I'm just warning you, is stupidification. I'm telling you right now, like at this point, because as you can see how prepared we were with the, you know, going live through our virtual events. Think of it now, how deep we are into into our products that will be coming out to, to the market, you know, and where we were with that. Because at this point, when we're buying tobacco, you know, we're buying, we're, we're buying major level shit. So we come in with all sorts of buyers and agrometers and all sorts of people with, I can't even pronounce the motherfucking names, all sorts of experts and scientists and shit. And then you got, you know, the delinquents behind it, us guys, you know, the, the, the old crew who be like, yo, we want it more like this. We want it with that kind of taste. So, so it's Coop 21 is going to be ridiculous off the chart with, with our products. And uh, so I'm just going to leave it at that. But thanks for asking. Yeah, I want to I want to bring up, you know, you talked about how much traveling you were doing at the time of COVID and um you know, one of the things we discussed early in the show is how hard that travel was early for you, where you were on your feet nine hours and, you know, somebody had to help you get in the car or whatever. Since 
since the transition, have you been able to at least enjoy some of it, or do you still find yourself running full throttle uh, all over the place? Yeah, it's an interesting question, not what you would expect as an answer. So, yo, after the um, after the sale, you know, uh, I basically, I was living in Nicaragua until 2014. So I was there from uh, 898 to 2014, full-time in Nicaragua, doing my thing. And I would come into the States, as you know, Abe, you know, I might come in like once a month for three days or once a month for five days or skip two months and not come back. So for those 14, 15 years, I was Nicaragua. Then after 14, I came, I moved back to the United States to spend more time. My parents were getting older and I was going through other stuff. So I moved back to the United States and what I, what I was doing was this. I started being on the road 300 days a year, 14, 15, 16, wow. uh, or 15, 16, 17, excuse me. I was on the road like 300 days a year. And then 18 to 19, 250 days a year. My father was traveling with me probably 250 days a year on the road. And, you know, it was city to city, man. It was like being, you know, uh, on the, like, you know, LL Cool J or, 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 you know, Metallica on the road or whatever you're into from a standpoint. I compare music a lot. And, and uh, you know, it was the traveling band, you know, and we would end up in a city. You know, and uh, yeah, you know, things had changed. Your value systems changed. It used to be where I end up in a city. The first thing I made sure I had an ounce in my hand ready to roll some blunts. And, you know, through that time, a lot of changes happened to me and, and just my value system changed. Things that were important to me changed. Uh, art has become, you know, over the last 25 years, having 50 full-time graffiti artists in Nicaragua has always been major institutional part of Drew State's institutional uh, uh, core. But now it was also more personal traveling to art shows to, to working with Red Bull and being part of their operation in terms of, you know, uh, tri uh, uh, major graffiti um, landmark. I'm talking, you know, people think about graffiti, some street art you get for $30 or $100. There's pieces out there, a million, two million, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and that for me, you know, I think I got one of the largest collections in the world uh, for me is is a big part of my daily. So traveling with the Drew Estate Band, and lots of times it's not even people who work and get a paycheck for the company. It's all these, you know, Detective Walk-In Chin or Roy or, you know, uh, all of these characters, jumping in at Tom, all the Navarro, all these characters, Matty Rock and Pete Totoro, you know, Cigars for Warriors and traveling with them. Yo, a banging Porsche. Yo, a banger. A banger just came by one of the targets, my, my preference. So um, traveling with the band and, you know, city to city, eating hamburgers. You know, one of the funniest things I was thinking about the other day, I was talking about homeboy, is like, yo, some of these, uh, some of these, uh, uh, you know, dudes, my man Rocky Patel, you go out for dinner with him, you're going to get the steaks and maybe the turf and turf and the triple turf, and you're going to have a $2,000 bottle of wine. You know, but with the Drew Estate dudes, with Blue Collar, it was like, yo, let's, you know, instead of inviting four people for a steak dinner, I said, like, yo, tell the whole fucking play. We're in Pittsburgh. We're going to take 50 people for cheeseburgers or 75 people for hamburger. We're going to go to the diner, take the whole diner over, tell the guy at the front door, yo, close the place, Greek diner. Uh, we did a lot of Greek and Arabic, Indian place. Just take the whole restaurant over in Chicago, my stomping grounds. Abe, you know, that's very personal to you, but you know, Chicago is, Drew Estate worked from the inside out. We always worked differently. People thought we were like New York, 
So we work in New York, California, the coast far. We didn't work like that. We worked from the inside of the country out, you know, upside down and inverse. So we started Chicago, Wisconsin, Kansas, Kansas City, up to Oakland. I mean, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, all those kind of places, Michigan, you know, shout out to, to the middle of the country, too. So we were, you know, all of that combines for me on a personal level, it was destructive. I was destroying myself. I'm very, very lucky right now to be alive. And uh, numerous times I went into the hospital. I was constantly able to tell you constantly staggering around on a cane or in the hospital, you know, different uh, cigar fests going to the hospital or to go to Cigars for Warriors event had to be brought to the hospital two times, numerous times in the hospital for my system shutting down and not sleeping and working too hard and carrying too much stress when I didn't need to be that shit. Man, I'm a made man I, at this point. So this has been a balancing period now, a new nice. JD, a new JD. Yeah. Do you see, do you see a future? Is there a future or a, a version of JD's life where you kind of pull back from the public eye and, and maybe settle and, and, not have this road trip or do you feel that that's just who you are and you're not sure if there's going to be any other way that's such an interesting question you know um i talked to my mom about this she's like you know it took covid for you to because up to 2019 i was in the road 300 days 280 whatever and uh she was like it took covid for you to see you know and the last two years i've been on a better personal awareness you know self-awareness personal health journey but um, you know who's an inspiration for me and has been for many years for a variety of ways is uh, uh, Carlito Fuente. You know, um, not comparing or anything like that because he's Carlito and I'm JD, but, uh, you know, he does things, he moves in a manner that's, that's I kind of, you know, look up to him and I always have. Uh, and I and I made a lot of business decisions early on watching him and his father and a lot of the various things that they've done in terms of how to how to brand their products from a standpoint of house of brands or branded house. And he really I kind of watch him and, and it's just like he understands the farm life and he understands factory life. Factory life's not about, you know, I'm blending a cigar. No, yo, yo, forget even a cigar. Factory life's about the dog falling through the roof, landing on a roller cigar table and getting his foot cut on the chevetta. And you got yelled at by the lady in Chapito who makes coffee in the morning saying, you let the dog on the roof. And the roof fell through the, the dog fell the fucking through the roof. So you gringle, you're going to close them. You know, factory life's a different thing, man. So, you know, it's it's about people and it's about, you know, your dog falling through the roof and landing on a cigar roller. And, uh, you know, Carlito, he understands when he's sitting on the farm and I watch my man there and he's like, yo, chilling on a farm somewhere and he's smoking his, his leaf and talking and smiling and, you know, that balance. So right now, you know, for me, what I've been able to do is is look a little bit at him as a, as a role model for, for that aspect of it and be able to, you know, that's why I'm out here right now in New York, right? There's a reason I've been out here since July 14th and I'm kind of reestablishing myself with the water, reestablishing myself with my, my, what my, where my parents raised me to understand the power of the water and, and salt water and the beach and the whaling, you know, and, and, you know, the, this life here, you know, is some, it's some other shit right here. So I'm definitely transitioning, Abe. Uh, it's not a matter of slowing down because my mind is more powerful than ever. 
Amand is more powerful than it's ever been. And uh, if you count me out, you'd be making a, a very big misstep. What I want to do is be able to um, slow down time. Great way to put it, slow down time. I mean, we'll slow down better, time and just... What better place to do it than where you're at? I mean, one of the one of my favorite places in the entire world is, is out there. I mean, Sag Harbor and East is just like one day. That's where I see myself, you know, taking sitting back and, and just enjoying life. But the fact that you're able to do it now and and like take take a moment and forced to do it now. Right. Because we're, we're all in that situation. But it, it's. It's really like if you have to look at a positive impact on COVID and what's been going on in the world here, that that is one of them that we are all forced to sit back and, and kind of like watch our lives from a different perspective and, and forced to slow down a little bit, at least physically. JD's got a plane coming well, in. Sorry if I cut you off, man. I'm struggling with the technology. Abe, did he finish? Yeah, he's good. So, man, I feel so terrible because uh, I don't like cutting people off when they're speaking. Um, but from the piece, you know, it's about at this point, right? You know, Drew Estate. You got JD is one thing, and then Drew Estate's another thing. And there's obviously, you know, the 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 overlap. Um, but you know, when you really think about it, right, all these dudes who started smoking cigars when they were 20, 21, 22, 25, whatever the legal age obviously was back in the day. I don't even know right now, you know, the legal sides of everything. But the point of it is, is that now you got older heads who are smoking sticks, who've been smoking with your estate for 20 years, 22 years, 23 years, whatever. And you got um, newer dudes and do, do a lot of women smoking too, who, who uh, they see your estate and they see one thing. The older dudes been smoking Drew Estate and see another thing and remember another thing. And then Drew Estate got to look at both of those sets and maybe even one in the middle and be like, thinking, huh, so how do we speak to the people? How do we let them see what we're doing? How do we, we uh, bring them into our world in a way where we're speaking the same language? It's not just a matter of, again, pushing, pushing, pushing. It's not pushing your will on a, on a motherfucker. That ain't no good. But it's about basically that, that you know, holistic viewpoint. So I think Drew Estate is evolving also in a very beautiful space as well. And, I mean, it's not about, for Drew Estate, it's not about slowing down or, or slowing down time. But it's about, uh, um, you know, you talk for a minute because I got homeless screaming and shit over here. It's all right. <laughs> well, you can hear me, Cliff? Yeah, we can hear you. But I think we talked about it on the show, Abe. I had, I had smoked cigars before. I think a Toscano was my first ever cigar. I had smoked like Tijuana Smalls and things like that. But my first premium cigar was a Cuba Cuba, given to me by a friend of mine that was a cop. So, so acid played a role in my cigar journey at the very beginning for me. So it's, it's a cool experience to have JD on. It had been. Well, we're, we're coming up to our closing uh, minute of the show um i want to squeeze in the insane asylum before we uh you know officially close our 400th episodes and do a little recap so let me hit that right now 
Uh, let's see this week who belongs in a cigar insane asylum. This week's inductee was so proud of his crimes that he had to brag about it. Frontel Antonio Baines, 31, who performs as rapper Nuke Bizzle, was arrested recently and charged with three felonies. If convicted, he faces up to 22 years in prison. Mr. Baines, who is from Memphis, lives in L.A. and used stolen identities to apply for unemployment benefits through California's Development Department Authority, said the money contributed as part of a federal program that extended unemployment benefits to self-employed workers. Independent contractors or others who found themselves without a safety net during the coronavirus epidemic. The authority said that 92 debit cards loaded with a total of more than $1.2 million in benefits were mailed to addresses that Mr. Baines had access to in Beverly Hills and Koreatown neighborhood of L.A. In a music video for the song EDD that was posted to YouTube in September, Mr. Baines and another rapper, Fat Wizza, boasted about getting rich off of EDD, an apparent reference to the employment's development department. The rappers brag in their video about their swagger for EDD while holding stacks of EDD envelopes and about getting rich by going to the bank with a stack of these. Mr. Baines also bragged about the scheme that in videos that he posted to his Instagram accounts, according to the affidavit. Well, congratulations, Mr. Bizzle and Wizza. You are without a doubt six weeks inductees to the Cigar Insane Asylum. And this reminds me of another story that broke this week. Um, a manager of Burger King got caught embezzling almost $35,000 in the last 12 months. From one Burger King. Now, you say, how could they not know $35,000 missing from a register, right? Yeah. It's not what he did. This guy made fake employees, hired the fake employees that were on actual payroll, whose then paychecks got deposited to his account. <laughs> well, you know what? Give him an A for effort there. That's not uh, that a bad a way to do it. a creative way to do it, but uh, yeah, that was this week's inductee into the cigar insane asylum so we do have one more pack to give away right abe we do have one more pack to give away i'm gonna read off this this should be a layup this question is a layup you want to show that bag one more time the yes 52 uh beautiful package but um look at that look at that gorge gorge we've given away two of these already today courtesy of jd and the fine folks at Drew Estate, there's a whole bunch of goodies inside that bag we showed earlier, if you haven't seen it. But uh, here is a trivia question and tribute to our 400th episode. This is going to see who, who the hardcore fans are, because this is paying homage to the first crew, right? The first KMA crew was actually myself, Brandon the Mick Foster, and Lady M. That was the first KMA crew. So, you know, I could not find... Any pictures of Brandon? I might have some. I might have some somewhere, yeah. Because there was no video footage back then. I think Brandon only did about 13 weeks early on, very early and I don't show. think there was – I don't think there was – or you didn't have a Facebook then. No. So, no. so that's why I couldn't get no. any of the pictures. But no. if you see, I got Erica in there. I got yeah. uh, all the girls that we've had on. Yes. Uh, Lady yes. M, of course. So, well, this question pertains to Lady M. Oh, boy. So we'll see. Which fan, which can, which of our KMA crew out there knows what Lady M's morning beer is? 
What is Lady M's morning beer? I'm posting. Lady M had a morning beer that she well. specialized drinking after a night of drinking. That was her morning that, beer. Wow, that one's got oh, me Coop finally one out of three. We stumped you, Coop. Oh, this one's stuck with me. I, you know, I know I, it, it's in my head. I can't remember it. John's on the pan. You know, it's funny because now that we don't have Colin during COVID times, we used to talk about it all the time, and we have a winner. I don't know. Alan I don't Uber. know. I don't know what Medeo beer is. No, that no way. Wait, I don't no know way. what Medeo is. Oh, I guess that does I've not never count. heard You're of right. Medeo beer. Wait, I have. I have the. All right, so then technically, that's the winner. the winner. You know, I mean, if we're gonna be, if we're gonna pay homage to Alex Trebek, you know, may he rest in peace. You know, Medeo didn't cut it. Sorry, Alan. Sorry, Alan. <laughs> it is. A lot of people saying Stella. No, it was Modelo in the morning. Modelo was her. She was a Stella drinker, but Modelo was her morning beer. So, That's right. So, congratulations to Lawrence Hendrickson. You are uh, the winner of the third prize pack. We had three winners today: Curtis Critchfield, uh, Quinton Nation. And Lawrence Hendrickson, you'll be taking home those bags courtesy of JD and the fine folks at uh, Drew Estate. I listen; it's a pretty, pretty cool prize pack. Oh, now Alan's saying he corrected himself. Not on our news, Alan, not on our feed. Alan, go Alan. get one from Santa Clara where you work, and you tell everybody. That <laughs> Alan. <laughs> But which uh, Modelo? I think it was. Uh, she doesn't drink Modelo Negro, so she does. But especial, Modelo especial. We will accept Modelo as the answer. Though. I only drink Modelo Negro. I don't know why. I just really love that beer. I have some in my fridge. Lawrence, Lawrence, you say you're doing backflips. I'm going to tell you what. Post a video of a backflip. I will send you an extra surprise pack myself. <laughs> From that humidor right there. I want to see. I want you. You don't look like a small guy, Lawrence. I want to see a backflip. Congratulations. <laughs> so, listen. I really want to give thanks to everybody, especially guys who put together that video. Um, uh, I know we talked about doing an outro for the show. I don't know if you guys did it or not, Paul. But if you don't, we didn't. Um, but I thought we'd close out with that video again. I, I would love to see the show closed out with that video. Um, I, I didn't, for anybody who came on in the second half and didn't get to see it, it's a wonderful tribute. I thank the guys for the work. JD, my brother, always a pleasure to have you, brother. It's an honor for you to be part of the 400th episode, my man. Really? And, um, really. you know, hopefully uh, we'll get together soon and really catch up. That would be great, guys. Congratulations on the 400th episode. All of your estate have been talking about it, and everybody's really proud of you guys. So congrats, and that video was fucking awesome, man. And thanks for having me today, Drew Estate. We love you guys, and uh, bless, yeah. man. Let's shout out Coop, to the family. Again, you, my brother. Thanks for being part of Thank the you. show. Uh, Thank you. Time. We love having you. We, KMA wouldn't be the same without you on. And as the newest member, Alex, hopefully 500. Let's episode, 500. 500, man. The road to 500. Everybody have a great Great weekend. Enjoy your families for Thanksgiving. Be safe. All right. Peace out and keep it lit. Here's the number 400. We'll close with this video. Thank you, everybody.